Yeah, it started as a TikTok. I, when I shared it, um, I was like, oh, I'll just throw this up on TikTok, see if anybody cares. And then it went viral. And then it started getting picked up by like Variety and IGN and a yeah, bunch of other places. And I was like, what? what? We're going to bounce all over the place, but sure. you led me right into it. So what did that feel like? And we will get to what it felt like with Kai Patterson, editor, filmmaker, who took Obi-Wan Kenobi, the Disney Plus series, and turned it from a four and a half hour series into a two and a half hour movie. I'm your host, Mike Zago. Welcome to The Link Podcast, episode 74. If you listen to episode 72, or if you didn't, you should go back, or if you didn't watch Obi-Wan Kenobi yet, you should go back and do all of this. I broke down the Obi-Wan series, and there were ups and downs. I liked some of it. I disliked some of it. But overall, I kept referring to this feeling of how it was too drawn out, it probably should have been a movie. There could have been some hard edits and no one probably wanted to do them or they were handcuffed by the studio, whatever. So while I'm promoting that episode at the link underscore podcast, I come across all these articles about how a fan did do this. So I tracked down that fan. That fan was Kai. KaiPattersonFilms.com. That's K-A-I-P-A-T-T-E-R-S-O-N Films.com. He's done a lot of cool stuff, more stuff coming up, which we talked about toward the end. He's got a really popular TikTok with over 300,000 followers. That's kind of where this whole thing started. We'll get to that. But I was so psyched to talk to someone who did the editing themselves, knows a lot about film, and had some similar feelings that I did, but followed through with it and gave me exactly what I wanted. And I watched this version, and it was great. You didn't miss most of the stuff that was gone. It was paced a lot better. There were changes. We talk about them. But as always, with our reviews on the link, first half before the ad break, which is longer this time because we got into the weeds, no spoilers. And if anything, they're very light. I swear it won't ruin anything if you didn't watch it yet. And then after the ad break, we went in, broke down a couple of specific scenes, specific changes, why he made them, what the impact was, my favorite parts, his favorite parts. I really had fun during this conversation. It's way up my alley. And it felt like the perfect follow-up to the Obi-Wan conversation we had before. And really, if you're just interested in film and editing and style and the ins and outs of the business, this one should interest you too. And it's just really dope that he put in all the time, all the hard work, it came out great, and it just caught this viral wind tunnel where these huge social media accounts and outlets and news, they all picked it up, they wanted to interview him, they got quotes. In some ways, it's the dream to have your work picked up by people who really love it. I hope this leads to bigger things for him. He's a cool guy. What's left to say other than writing me a review for the podcast and making it five stars and, you know, leaving some words that are kind or not, but you should. All right, plugs are done. Hit the music. Let's get into it. First of all, I just finished it and it was really great. I really enjoyed it a lot. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate yeah. it. I just did this whole episode on Obi-Wan already. And yeah. uh, when you messaged me saying like, oh, we thought so many of the same things. And then I saw you do them. I was like, fuck yeah. Like some, not that you knew what I said in advance, you had done it before I ever recorded that podcast, but it was cool to see, like, I wasn't the only one that thought that this was a, not an easy fix. I'm sure you put a ton of time into it and I yeah. want to talk about that, but it was a fix that like needed to be made kind of. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I, I did do it in like a week, I think. So, you know, and I was like, you know, I, I finished the first go over like in one weekend. And then like the other days I was like, uh, you know, adding visual effects and uh, changing the sound mixing and stuff. Cause I actually like ruined it on my first go around. I like <laughs> really? went through the whole edit um, having done it with stereo files and 
that was fine. But then I realized that a lot of these sites like Disney Plus and, and a lot of other movie mixes, when they do the sound in 5.1 surround sound, then they use the center channel mostly for like dialogue and um, sound effects and stuff. And if I was going to change the music, I needed the sound effects and dialogue on a separate track that, you know, had then both I could channels. Yeah. 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 So then I had to like switch my whole project with surround sound files, but it didn't like work. You, you like can't do that on premiere. So I had to like, just figure something else out. Um, so it's like, it's still exported in stereo, but I have a bunch of 5.1 surround sound tracks in the stereo project. So if I end up doing a 4k version, I'm going to try to see if I can like reconvert it to an actual 5.1 version because i know that that's very important to a lot of people yeah for sure i mean you chose like such an interesting thing to do because star wars fans are very like rightfully so are particular about both the visual the sound everything really and Mm -hmm. i think it's even cooler that you like pulled it off at all because so many people are quick to judge everything in not just Star Wars, but any big IP like that, that's been around for almost 50 years. So did it feel like when I'm editing a lot of the time, I feel like I start, I'm like, I'm just going to do simple stuff. We're going to cut some things here. It's not going to take me that long. It's all good. And then once you get into it, it's like, I could just do this. And then it's three hours on a 30 second segment. And you're like, well, how did I end up here? Is that what it started off like for you? What was the goal going into it? And then did it like kind of snowball into a bigger thing? Oh, oh, it was, it was a snowball project a hundred percent all the way. Like every week when my girlfriend and I would be watching it together, we would talk about like just our frustrations with what they did. And so every week I knew the things that I would change if I was going to put my hands on it, but I had never like really done something like this before. Like I think a couple of years ago, I did a re-edit of um, the scene in Force Awakens where, uh, and spoilers for people that have not Watch yeah. Force Awakens it's years ago now. Where, I think uh, yeah, where <laughs> um, Han Solo gets stabbed by his son. Um, I like re-edited that just because my my mom and I had talked a lot about it, and we were like, "Why wouldn't Chewbacca fire at Kylo Ren immediately?" So I was like, "Okay, I wanted to change it and just see what I did." So I, I did end up doing that. I think it's on my YouTube channel, but I had to like do some crazy effects on it so that it wouldn't get taken down by Disney. So <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe I'll put that on my TikTok sometime for people to see, but I literally did it like two years ago and nobody cared. I think I got like five wow. views or something. That's so in- first and of I was all, like, what's your uh, TikTok by the way? Oh, my TikTok is Kai Patterson films. All right, cool. Because people should check that out. Cause you have a lot of cool stuff, like even a couple of them explaining some of the things that you did in yeah. this star Wars edit, which I really liked. So that was, cool. yeah, it started as a TikTok. I, when I shared it, um, I was like, Oh, I'll just, throw this up on TikTok, see if anybody cares. And then it went viral. And then it started getting picked up by like Variety and IGN and a bunch yeah, of other dude. places. And I was like, what? what? We're going to bounce all over the place, but sure. you led me right into it. So what did that feel like? Had that ever happened to you before with anything that you worked on? I would assume not. That doesn't happen to most people. No, I mean, I've I've been around media a lot. Um, my my dad was a news producer growing up and stuff. So, you know, I've been around a, a lot of media. Uh, I grew up in Hawaii. And so there were a couple of times when like there was like a high school contest for like a local phone company 
there and they, you know, they had it for high schoolers, but I was in middle school and I won this video contest. Uh, and so, you know, that kind of made the rounds. I did a couple of, uh, interviews on the news there and stuff. And I've also been kind of in the acting life too. Like, um, when I was a kid, I was on the show Baywatch Hawaii. No way. Uh, yeah. Which, which wow. actually they just recently put on Hulu. So I was able to watch that again, but that one was fun. That's cool. Um, I was like five years old when I did that. And then I also was on the show, um, lost a couple times. Get out of here. Yeah, it's actually one of my favorite shows of all time. And so Me to too. be able to get to work on it was amazing. That's know? amazing. Dude, season one of Lost is like one of the best seasons of television that there has ever yeah, been. Yeah, I literally, um, I I was, I believe, second in line to play Walt. Uh, and then they changed the casting to uh, a black father, which, you know, that, you know, I'm white, Tough. so that wouldn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, right. But that's okay, you know, I... Uh, I'm glad that life went this way because, you know, I'm here talking about Obi-Wan and maybe that wouldn't have been the case. You know? Yeah, dude. So when did you switch over from acting to film or was that really just when you were a kid and you knew you just wanted to break into the film world in some way? So you just kind of wanted to do it. Yeah, I mean, I've I've always I've always enjoyed acting. Um, so I, I don't think I ever really left acting. Um, I've, I even was um, the director of like my college improv team and stuff. So like, I just love like entertainment and like acting and stuff, but definitely like my mom was an actor and she's an, a, a high school acting teacher now too. So like she's in that world and she put me and my siblings into that world and you know, just being in that world too made me realize how much I loved the process of filmmaking uh, and so just being around sets as a young kid was so amazing. I, I was always so grateful that I got to have that opportunity very early in life and talk to people who were doing great things and make connections and stuff. But this is the first time I've ever like had crazy media attention on something that I've done that like tons of people are reaching out to me. I, I'm literally getting hundreds of DMs right now. And a lot of them are super positive about like, how much they loved my edit. And that's, that has been the most rewarding part of this whole process. It's really cool, man. It really was so funny because I did that episode and I was like basically begging for it to be a movie, but I, never did I think this was well before I saw your stuff go viral. And I was like, well, I'm not going to see it, but I can understand in my head that this would be better if you cut X, Y, and Z, you know, not as much as you did. And then I saw the tweet on IGN and I was like, oh my God, someone did this. And then they didn't even really like, I saw you were like posting how they, one of them spelled your name wrong or something yeah. totally ridiculous. I find that insane, first of all. So like shame yeah, they, on them. For they said, that. they said Kai Peterson instead of Kai Patterson. Like, come on guys. And then also they didn't really tag you and stuff. So I was like, ah, maybe he doesn't have social media, but let me look it up just because I wanted to DM you and be like, just first of all, even if you're going to do the podcast or not, that's just cool that you did it. So I wanted to give you love for that. And then I was like, it's so weird how this viral thing works because they just don't, it feels like they don't really think about promoting the project or the person. They just think that something will get likes. So they say, someone cut this into two hours. And it's yeah. like, okay, that's cool. But just go the extra step, which I wanted to do. So I'm really happy you came on to talk about it. But how did it feel to like, I don't want this to sound negative. So I, I don't, sure. I hope no, it no, doesn't. No, of course. But how did it feel to like get the credit and also like have them not give you direct credit? Cause it felt like they wanted the credit. Yeah. For finding I, I, the bet, person. I, I know that that's the media game and I don't really mind. Like 
again, this also, this was a project that like, I knew that, you know, I, I might not be able to share it with people because of, you know, all the copyright issues and everything like that. I was like, there really may be no way for anyone to see it. And I only wanted to share it with people because of my love of Star Wars and how much I really thought that this show could have been better with some of the fat trimmed out of it and stuff. And, I, and I've just been seeing a lot of people talking about similar things. And I, I was keeping up with what, you know, articles were coming up, coming out about the critical reception of it. And so I had a lot of that in mind when I was doing my version of the story, because I, I knew that there were a lot of people out there that felt the same way that we do. And I wanted to, you know, just see what it would be like if I put my hands on some of the files and started working. But yeah, it's, it's actually funny about the whole media and, and press buzz because I find out the same way you guys find out. Right. Like I literally just like something that like my sister has been doing is like she Googles my name and then Obi-Wan and she just like every so often she'll send me a new article and she'll be like, they just wrote about you. And I'm like, thanks. I had no idea. No one's reaching out to me. That is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's still got to be a great feeling because it's still your work that everyone is gushing over. And you said you're getting DMs about it. So the people do like, they care enough to know. I think it's a feather in your cap that you did Star Wars too, first of all, because you're a fan, but like second of all, because the fans are fanatic you know they're yeah, like crazy yeah. about star wars so they'll myself included will try to find you and be like this is really cool so yeah i just found that whole thing like a weird bizarre study in like how someone can do this uh, it was a lot of work and yeah. and you do and don't get credit for it at the same time which is just a funny thing yeah um, and and also what's what's crazy about that too and i didn't even, like one of the reasons why i started doing this project too is because you know i hadn't really seen anybody else doing it i'd seen people like uploading clips onto youtube of like oh i re-edited this so that um you know this is de-aged anakin and so you know i'd, I'd seen some of those videos and i was like okay people are you know starting to kind of they're trying take things into their own hands and I was like, but I haven't seen anybody like trying to cut everything, like all the fluff out of it yet. But since this has blown up, I have been told many times that I am not the first person to have done this. Really? And that like, there are tons of other fan edits. Uh, there were also a couple that like were announced like the same day that I announced mine and I had no idea. So I just want to let everyone out there know that there are a lot of other edits and, and I think we should all do better about like, you know, finding those too. I don't want to like, I know I've read some of the forums who don't know that I'm reading those. And, and I think a lot of people are kind of pissed off that I'm getting all this credit for this project when I wasn't the first person to do it. And honestly, I had no idea that other people were doing it. Um, but I hope other people check out more of the fan edits too, because I'm sure a lot of people did the same thing as me. Dude, that's, first of all, it's very cool of you to have that attitude and it's humble and I get it and it sounds really cool. But also you can't help the fact that yours is the one that caught. You know what I mean? You should be proud yeah, of it. I, Who cares? It was lucky. It was yeah, lucky. But and, that's the and game. I, I appreciate it. But that's the way it goes. Like everything is a little bit lucky. It's no different than making an indie movie for a small amount of money. I'm sure there's a million indie movies that are great. And then all of a sudden, a couple of them get picked up by Apple TV or whatever. And then Coda wins the Oscar. And it's like, True. well, yeah. 
you know, like that doesn't mean necessarily, it's a great movie, but it doesn't mean that it's necessarily the best movie ever made. Maybe someone out there is like, I made an indie movie. It should be me. And meanwhile, it's like, there's some aspect of luck to this thing that everyone kind of has to acknowledge. And, oh yeah. You know, all you can do is appreciate it when it happens to you. So I think that's pretty cool. Did you hear about the guy who did the deep fake fixing the way Luke Skywalker looked in? Yeah. And he got hired by Lucasfilm. Yeah. 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 And when I heard that you did this, it was one of my first thoughts because I'm not saying you like were aiming for that. I'm sure you weren't. You did this for yourself and you wanted to just do Mm -hmm. it. I get it. But also it does feel like this is a new wave path to like, not necessarily getting hired by Lucasfilms, although in that scenario they did, but to putting something on your resume after doing it, as opposed to the way it used to be, which was kind of like you get the job and then you do the thing. Mm -hmm. So did that clock to you at all? Like, hey, if I want to make a film later down the road, I can show people that I did this and I didn't write it and whatever, but I did the whole entire edit. I changed things around. You did a bunch of like customizations that we'll talk about as we go on. But I just found it like a real wake up call to like the industry itself is changing a lot. Mm -hmm. And to me for the better, because you can just sit there, put a week's worth of time or more in and prove that you're able to do this level of work. And it's kind of like a living resume, whereas I don't think that used to be the case. Yeah, yeah. And um, honestly, I didn't think about that even being a possibility as a calling card because of the fact that like it is somebody else's work. And I I really just was doing it to appease my own uh, frustrations. Um, And I shared it online because I thought that a lot of people would resonate with the things I was saying. And I was, you know, I, again, like, I mean, I don't know if you saw my original TikTok, but um, I was like, I don't even know if anybody wants to see this, but obviously from there it picked up a lot of traction and a lot of people wanted to see it, but it is crazy to me that like, you know, there is a new path to getting these big companies to notice your work. And I think the deep fake situation definitely showed that, that like, Sometimes a big company can recognize that someone can do something, I don't know, better, but like different and, and has, has a a talent that they want. Um, And especially with social media, like you can put anything online and if it picks up traction, people will notice, but that wasn't my intention. I actually was really, I was more thinking, will I have like, if I do this and I, and I share this with people will I ever actually get to work on a, a real Star Wars project? Cause that's always been a dream of mine. I think any filmmaker that loves Star Wars is like in the, the golden age right now. Cause we're like, not only are we getting new content, but if you're at a working age right now and you're a filmmaker, you could work on that content. Um, and to be part of Star Wars is uh, a dream for Star Wars fans and filmmakers. So I was like, this might get me blacklisted, but well, you had the opposite I, feeling. Yeah, I was like this, you know, Lucasfilm and Disney could just see me as completely disrespectful and and never want to work with me. And and I was like, you know, I might be willing to take that chance just to show people the version of Obi-Wan that I wanted that I knew that like, I mean, I wouldn't have shared it if it got like five views. Like I would, <laughs> right. I wouldn't have cared. Like I would have been like, okay, great. That that's fine. That's my edit for myself. But thousands of comments saying, I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see it. I was like, 
if there are thousands of people out there that would really like to see it, that's worth it to me more than like being blacklisted by Disney. Cause it's a total possibility. And I, I, I accept that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about that. You did it anyway, which I respect because you wanted to do it, mm-hmm. but then the decision to put it online, did you, and I probably wouldn't have, so I'm not like leading the witness here, Sure. but did you like research whether you're allowed or did you kind of just do, I don't know anything about the rules. I saw that you put like, make sure you have a Disney plus account. Yeah. And I was like, that's cool. Like you're clearly you're trying to do the right thing. And it's very obvious from a consumer point of view. So this is a two-part question. One, how much did you worry about that kind of law and research it? Or did you kind of just put it up and you'll be like, if I get blacklisted, then you know whatever it is what it is. And two, this isn't so much a question, but I think that people are I don't know, smarter is a weird word, but like more savvy now to understand that whether or not you would have been blacklisted 10 years ago, which isn't that long, but I still think things have changed since then. I think they're smarter now to realize, A, this is good work. So who gives a shit? Uh, if he does good work on our IP, then we should you know, consider that a good thing. And B, it's more eyeballs on Star Wars in general. So it's not hurting them at all. And C, I just think they must know that this is just positive PR, right? Like it can't possibly hurt them. Uh, It's no different than I'm a big sports fan. So Mm -hmm. when UFC complains about all the people that pirate their events, right? I see through that as like, but you guys know this is a good thing for the UFC brand, right? And that's why you're not actually doing anything about it. So you like, no, this is terrible, blah, blah, blah. And then in the back office somewhere, they're like, it's fine because everyone's still watching UFC. So I know I just threw a lot of shit at you, but no, like, no, no. <laughs> it's kind of all one topic where like, I don't see it as a bad thing and it hasn't been. And are you worried about it still being a bad thing now that it's already out there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I, I had watched some um, fan edits of uh, revenge of the Sith where it was cut together. Um, I think, well, maybe I don't want to put his name out there just in case he doesn't want that, sure. but it was a, an edit of the Clone Wars um, season seven arc with Revenge of the Sith since That's they amazing. kind of take place at the same time. And my girlfriend and I watched that before we watched Kenobi because we wanted to just like get in the zone of it. Um, and watching it that way, I was like, "That's so incredible!" And and a lot of the like the way that he went about distributing it um, and like making sure that he like all throughout his you know emails and other stuff like that that he was like you need to have a disney plus subscription you need this like this can't be piracy like we have to do this the right way and like i was like that's how i was able to acquire you know this edit that i really loved and and the the amount of love that went into that edit was immense and that's something that i know that a lot of star wars fans do and you know most of them haven't been sued or anything i I can't really think of any time that disney has you know sued a fan edit but then again i think that this might be the first time that it's like gotten this kind of traction i know that there have definitely been some other ones that have like been in the news i know that people talk about topher grace having done a, a cut of the prequels or something i haven't seen that but i mean i'd love to see it so I knew that there was kind of a culture already of fan edits and Lucasfilm not having done anything crazy about it. 
I figured that if anything was going to happen, it would be like a cease and desist letter. And in which that case, I would have like shut everything down. You know, I, I definitely don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers and I don't want to yeah. get in trouble legally. You don't so, want to like, go to court with Disney? You don't say? Yeah, no, I <laughs> definitely don't have the means for that whatsoever. They must realize how bad that would look. So it's almost like chess, not that you're doing this intentionally, but like they know, their lawyers know that they would look terrible if they plucked this away from the fans. And so you kind of have like in this new era, you it's already gone too far almost for them to do anything about it. It's like a checkmate kind of situation. Yeah, it's uh, and and I yeah I didn't do that intentionally. I don't like want. Of course. Yeah, but but I I definitely see how that would make sense. I it, it would probably not look great for Disney if they like threw me in prison or something. Like, I think <laughs> right. people would be like really mad about. I mean, I would I would be mad. About <laughs> yeah, that. I would think so. But, so getting to the like the actual editing process, how much do you think it matters for the writer and creator? to have a relationship with the mm-hmm. editor personally. And it feels easier for me to edit my own podcast because I know what I want and I have all the content and I can create more content if I need to, to make it make sense. But on the other hand, sometimes like in this situation, you, you do need a new set of eyes on the thing to make it better, like pretty objectively better. Yeah. So this is a kind of a weird situation that falls in between the two. How did you feel about not having any control over the content itself, but also realizing that it needed to be changed? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, Because I've thought about it a lot. Like, I think the responsibility of the story getting out there in its best form is definitely the director, in my opinion. Um, Like the writer only has the script and then the director from there has to realize what it looks like while being filmed and what it looks like being distributed after editing. Um, And I think that that is ultimately the director's job. I've never worked on a series, you know, or anything big like that. I've, I've only written and directed my own like short films and stuff like that. So, you know, and I've been on sets, I've been on big sets and stuff, but I, I haven't actually directed something that big before. So there could be a lot of other things that I, don't know about that, you know, get in the way. Um, But I want to stress that I know the privilege that I had with no higher up telling me that I couldn't make the decisions that I wanted to make for that. And I think that, you know, is that going to be something that maybe Disney can see, you know, in, in the future? It's hard to tell because like the only way that fans received my work well was that they had to see it all and it was a gamble because if mine sucked then people would say it sucks and then and then everyone's just like well see that's why fans shouldn't edit but the fact that there has been a lot of positivity towards my edit it could be that you know disney decides to get more fans of star wars into uh, the writing rooms and the, you know, editing rooms. But I also feel like there are a ton of Star Wars fans already. Like if you work on a Star Wars show, I'm assuming you're a huge Star Wars fan. I'm sure there's a few, you know, higher up people that it's mostly just a job for them. But I mean, Star Wars is so big in our culture that it's hard to not at least be excited that you're working on a Star Wars project, even if you don't, you know, you're not part of the fandom. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I don't even know if it's necessarily that or if it's just, it seems really obvious to me that higher ups, and I think this will happen as time goes on and generations age out and whatever, but just stop micromanaging the 
creators of things. Because not to take any credit away from you, I loved everything that you did. And I want to talk specifics about it after mm-hmm. we take a break in a little while. Sure. Um, just in case there's spoilers for people who didn't see the series, which go watch it, obviously, and then watch Kai's edit or the opposite, actually. Uh, <laughs> but I just think it seems like anytime something is really good, especially an indie thing or something that's not an IP, it's really clear that the creator's vision just shined through and that there wasn't a million different notes. And I want to try to give Star Wars the benefit of the doubt by saying like, first of all, this was originally supposed to be a movie for the people that don't know, uh, or a trilogy. Yeah, and I, I didn't know that while I did, when I was doing mine, I found out that like halfway through editing, but I was like, well, I guess that this works because I am cutting <laughs> out the sense. stuff that they probably added to make it longer. That's the thing. So like there must, at some point, there was a note from somebody who has a lot of power in that company that said, not only are we going to change this, but it's going to go from, I mean, who knows how long it would have been because it never got made that way, but yours was two and a half hours. Uh, Theirs ended up being four and a half hours. And so they clearly had to manually add things to the script, which is why you and I both think that it was kind of clear that things were added to the script. Mm -hmm. And I just hope and wish that things like what you did and some other people are doing, as you say, will give them a little bit of a wake-up call to say, maybe we should have just let the creator do what they wanted in the first place, and then we wouldn't have had to deal with uh, not making the money on the better version, which I think yours is, to your credit. I appreciate that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it's hard, too, because, I mean, nothing is going to make everyone happy. Like, I I have received many uh, DMs that are like, you know, well, I've, I've really only received a couple of comments that are like, I absolutely hated your edit or <laughs> your, your edit completely ruined it or whatever, something like that. I haven't gotten many of that. But you know what they're... though? Like that is just a numbers game. That means enough people are watching your shit that like, like you said, you're not going to please everybody. So if I received one of those, I'd be like, that's great. Cause that means that a large enough percentage of people have watched this, that I'm actually getting the negative part to me which hopefully it wasn't like too negative and it wears on you. I understand that too, but um, I think it's in a weird way. It's like a compliment kind of, you know? One of my favorite comments, I want to see if I like took a screenshot of it. (laughs) Yeah. One of my favorite comments was on, yeah, it was on my, um, my original TikTok video and they said, nerd star wars fan loves star wars so much he thinks he can tell a better story than the creators because he hates star wars worst (laughs) type of fans he said i'm going to re-edit this video and remove your glasses so you don't seem like such a nerd then change your dialogue so you comprehend film theory (laughs) and i i just said sweet looking forward to it yeah (laughs) yeah dude people like that one of my favorite comments that's uh, so funny it it makes me laugh that people even go out of their way to do anything like that. And that person is so detached from the world that they don't acknowledge that nerd culture is actually the popular thing now. Right, yeah. It has gone so far the other way that that guy is stuck in 1980s jock land. And (laughs) (laughs) it's like, dude, this comment made no sense on so many levels that I'm just able to laugh at it. (laughs) yeah it was great it was great so you know i I have gotten a few of those and stuff but overwhelmingly it's been really positive and and it really makes me so happy to see that it's also just become such an international thing like i i've also gotten tons of people who reach out to me and they're like hey i loved your edit 
can I work on the French dubbed version of this or the German dubbed version uh-huh. of this? Like taking your edit and just replacing the files with the, you know, the German dub sure. or whatever. And I'm like, it's, I just never imagined that it was going to be like this right. and, and that there would be so many people that wanted to see it and they wanted, you know, that's why I literally just um, came from working on subtitles for it too. Cause I, I just didn't picture that being something that I needed for my own edit but now that it's like out in the world and so many people want to access it, I'm like, shoot, like I do have like, the, if I ever do a re-edit of, of, of any of the Star Wars content in the future, I'm going to start, you know, the right way. I'm going to have 4k yeah. footage. I'm going to have all the subtitles, all the different versions, like ready to go before I release it or anything. It does make you probably appreciate all of the I's that needed to be dotted and the T's that need to be crossed before something can have this major actual release because you can't do it the way you can do it the way you did it. Uh, yeah. But Disney can't. And it's kind of, it's humbling, I guess, to see how much work they need to do on things that aren't the art, <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. like, that's not creating the thing. There's so much more that needs to go into it. And maybe that's why they leave some things by the wayside along the way. Yeah. That's actually what I like that's another thing like I was telling you I know that I had that privilege that like I didn't have a deadline I I could do it when I wanted to do it and I'm sure that it's so much harder to make a series coherent and perfect and everything when you say oh we're going to release it on this date and then also by the way we need to get all those files to this company to do all the dubs of it you know yeah, like we need two to months have in that, advance like, or yeah, whatever. two months in advance and stuff so it's like to have all these backwards deadlines and then you realize like oh i really only have like four months to film this and like get it going you know like that that i'm sure there are things that you would really like to make different but you just can't because you don't have the time and i totally understand that so like again i just want to be i want everyone to know that like the original artists that worked on this show are incredible and i've had a couple people who have worked on the show reach out to me and that was weird because i was like a little like that's cool oh are you gonna hate me but a lot of people are like no like i i really liked your edit too even though i worked on the show like i think that it worked really well and i'm sure there are probably a lot of other people who worked on the show that don't appreciate that i did this but i hope that they know that it was only out of love and i really want like i'm not telling people just watch my edit because you know it's so much better and that's all you need like if you i I think if you watch the show and then you watch my movie you'll probably appreciate my movie more and the show more because yeah the show gave you all the things that i gave you pretty much i know i took some liberties on the story here and there but the show delivered all that to us and i just repackaged it in a different way and if we hadn't had the show with all those talented creative people making it then i wouldn't have been able to you know get an edit out there for myself too so i, I again i just want everyone to know that i i understand the privilege i had when working on this by myself with no one other than my girlfriend giving me the thumbs up saying it was great you know? <laughs> well you need that uh well said that is again it's like a humble cool thing to say but also i think they I don't know about should have. And I don't, I actually don't know how much control the editors have. You know what? That's why I kind of brought up that editing versus creator thing to begin with, because there might be a doppelganger of you at Lucasfilm who's like, this is exactly how it should be. And they're like, 
okay, but it's not going to be that way. So we need to yeah. cut it down this way. Um, 100%. Like I can, I can already so. see, it. you know, if I was an editor working on the show and I was like, hey, we don't need 20 minutes of this episode, they'd be like, yes, we do, because it's a show and we can't put out a 20 minute show. Like, yeah. And that's know, the hard thing because you mentioned deadlines and it's like in this era where you announce when a thing is going to come out, uh, first of all, a lot of them do change and you can see mm -hmm. why, but you mostly can't, right? You can't delay months or anything. And right. I know the original one, they delayed it by maybe like a, a week or something or, yeah. or a few days. And it makes you um, wonder like what yeah. wasn't done? I know. <laughs> you know, like what needed two more days to do? But then I'm sure as you go into the edit, you're like, well, if I didn't have those two days, I wouldn't have got this scene done. Exactly. Uh, so it is interesting, but I, I think it's important to give some credit to both sides, right? Like, yeah, yeah you, you wouldn't sure. have been able to do this without them, but also uh, you fixed a thing that they kind of broke. So <laughs> I'll say it. You don't have to say it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk about length for a second, because I mentioned mm -hmm. theirs was like four and a half hours. You cut two hours out of the thing, which is insane. Just doing my own podcast, I know that if I record for an hour and a half, to even get it to one hour is almost impossible. Uh, I need to just like have no breaths in between. And the this I talk about this a lot on the podcast. It bothers me that movies are getting, and TV shows, I guess, too, uh, are getting really long. Just in general, on average, they're just getting longer and longer and longer. The day of the 90-minute movie is just dead and buried and gone. Mm -hmm. So one, have you noticed that? Do you feel the same way? And, and two, do you feel like as a filmmaker, is it important or possible to have your finger on both the creation and the direction and the edit? Because we're getting lost somewhere where like you have to shoot a lot of footage, of course, for any mm -hmm. film, you have to have too much or else you don't have enough. But man, like Drive My Car is a good movie. I don't know if you saw that. Um, I haven't. It was like three hours long. It was Oscar nominated. And I was like, this would have been the best movie ever if it were two hours long. Mm. And I find myself, that's just one example. I don't mean to call them out, but it was just, it's, there's a lot of those. Mm -hmm. And I just, where do you think that's going and, and who's to blame? Like, or is it the writers even that aren't building themselves enough outs and are making too many tentpole scenes that can't really be edited out? Because I'm sure you had to deal with that too. It's like, well- you know, kind of spoiler alert, but not really. We'll get to more of it later. But you cut a bunch of the Riva stuff, right? Which mm -hmm. is pretty natural. Not all of it. You left a bunch of her scenes in. But there are some, like her, one of her latest scenes, which everyone will probably know what I'm talking about, but a big interaction with a major character mm -hmm. uh, that you need there. You can't remove it. It doesn't right. make sense for the whole entire story to remove it. And so I don't know if it's the direction or the editors or the writers or all three and the relationship between all of them, because you, you're just, you're handcuffed. You can't remove certain things. And yeah. I don't know how we turn this train around to make things not be four and a half hours long when they should be. I know, I know. It's it's hard too, because I feel like it really depends on like, uh, I guess your clout as a creator, you know, like, uh, yeah. like Christopher Nolan has so much uh, good reception of his films that like, he can be fully in charge of the writing, the directing, and the editing and see it through. Like the studios won't question a decision that he makes because his things are always successes. His films are always box office hits. And I think Tenet probably didn't do well, not because it wasn't a great fun it was movie, really but good, because the, the, way, like the pandemic happened. Yeah. yeah. 
And, and I know that putting out his movies in theaters is very important to him sure. and to not have it streaming, I think was a detriment to his movie just because he decided to, that it needed to come out during the pandemic. And, and, and it I get it. You got deadlines, ton. you know? His movies cost so much money yeah. too. It's like, exactly. he doesn't really have a choice. He needs that box office money or else yeah. it's going to be considered a failure. Yeah, exactly. But I think that that's why it's like, it's hard because if you have that kind of privilege and power, then you totally can. And I think it, it shows, you know, some of the most popular filmmakers, you know, Spielberg and Nolan and Zemeckis and all that, you know, like they are able to really stay in control the whole way through. And it shows though, that just having that one singular vision the whole way through, I think personally makes a story way better because you really are just getting a story from one person. And a lot of people are helping that person tell the story, but it's that one person's story. And I think that um, something that is happening like at Disney and Lucasfilm, especially with Star Wars, is that singular visions aren't really happening anymore. It's it's more like the studio wants their IP to do well. So now they're going to grab a bunch of creative people that are around and try to like say, oh, I want you guys to be in charge of this era. Try to tell a story there, but you guys don't really have to work together. Like for the sequel trilogy, I don't know why on earth they wouldn't have a singular vision going through. They were just like, oh, let's start. And each director can do their own thing. Like you, you should just never do that with a trilogy. If you want to tell a cohesive story, a trilogy should really have you know, you can have different directors for each movie, but it needs to have a singular vision starting with the first one. Which know? is and really, know, that's where the sequel trilogy went wrong. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah, like to not have direction on like fully where they were going because they wanted to give, um, and, and, you know, like I said, that like singular vision is very important, but I think that they they interpreted that in the wrong way uh, because- I, th I think probably what they were thinking is, oh, if singular vision is so important, we'll give each director full control of their movie. But I don't think you should ever do that in a trilogy because a trilogy has to tell a greater story by the end of it. You know, each each one is like a chapter and you like you wouldn't have a bunch of different people writing a book when they didn't know what the ending was, right. you know, it right. just, it's the insane. chapters wouldn't make sense. Yeah. Um, so that's, I think where that went wrong. And I think that it's starting to happen a little bit with some of the shows too, you know, they're, they're getting a lot of creatives on board and then they're changing up, you know, those creatives ideas. And then they, you know, like I think Stuart Beattie said he was the first to write the script for the trilogy of Obi-Wan. And then, and then he leaves that project, you know, when Solo doesn't do well and they decide to move it to a show. And then his work is adapted by other people when they turn into a show. And then, you know, it just continually, I think, takes it away from the root of the story, which is what I was really trying to do is I was trying to go through the whole Obi-Wan show and see what was the root story that they were trying to tell. And let me just get to the point, you know, and let me just really like, and I don't feel like my my version of it is rushed in any way. I think I really do spend a lot of time with like slow moments with Obi-Wan and other characters. But ultimately, I decided it was a story about Obi-Wan and, uh, and Leia, obviously, because he saves her. So I wanted sure. to focus a lot on 
just Obi-Wan. And, and so that's why I think some of the scenes like with Reva and stuff got cut also just because I personally think that Reva's character was set up to fail by the writing itself. Definitely. I, I think that when she's a good actress. Have, yeah, she's great. She's great. And I think that she did great with what she had. And I, and do I, too. I hate that people were hating on her because she know. doesn't deserve it. And this happens so often with Star Wars. You see it with Hayden Christensen and always saw it with Jar Jar and um i'm a jar jar truther by the way i'm a jar jar guy all the way clone wars he's like the best the underwater scenes and we could go off on a million tangents continue (laughs) yeah but um but basically i just i decided that i you know the story wanted reva to be scary but they they failed her in the rest of the people around her calling her dumb basically they were like you're a fool for wanting Obi-Wan. He's, he's dead. No one cares. Like you're too reckless. You're like, she's a Sith. She's supposed to be ruling with fear. And that's what I wanted to show in my version. I wanted to show her taking things to the extreme because that's what bad guys do. Like, you're not supposed to like, like bad guys that they they're doing the bad thing, you know? And so I'm like, I want her to be a full bad guy. I want her to take matters into her own hands. And I don't want her questioned by the other inquisitors unless it needs to happen for the story. So I, the only times that I left that in, which are a couple of times are when, you know, we, we know that, okay, there's, there's some ruffled feathers here. You know, she's doing some things that they don't like, but I don't want her to be disrespected as a character because they don't like it. You know, I still want her to hold her own and stuff. So that's what I tried to do with her edit. And, uh, once we move into spoilers, I can also tell you yeah. why I did what I did at the end. Yeah, I know we're, we're dancing around it a little, but I, I am glad that you, again, I'm going to try not to spoil this, but you changed the opening scene of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think not to speak for you, but the reason that you did that is because from a screenwriting perspective, especially for movies, not that you're writing it, but you had the ability to change the story kind of, you want to open it with the theme of the main character. And mm-hmm. uh, they didn't do that in the show. So uh, the title character should probably be in the opening sequence, you would think. And uh, yeah. and it was a cool scene in the show, but we'll get back to that in the second half. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll talk on that too a little bit too, because I, I, I think it I think it can be done uh, depending on the story that you're telling. Like I know Jurassic Park, you don't start on any of the main characters other than Muldoon in there. You know, you oh, start on just like, the inciting incident which is you know uh this park is dangerous you right, know? And, right but that's that's the story that they're trying to tell and it's not a character piece you know the film is about the park and the dinosaurs and the the philosophy of it um but i think this obi-wan movie that i was trying to tell was uh really getting inside his head and his mental state and the reason why i started it the way i did is because you know, I wanted this slow feeling like we haven't seen, you know, if, if you went from episode three to my Obi-Wan edit, we haven't seen Obi-Wan for 10 years. And like, we assume this much, we all know that he ends up still on Tatooine in episode four. So we're, I think we're all expecting that we'd open on something slow and we'd really feel like close the gap. Yeah. Like this, this, this feeling that Obi-Wan has of like, I'm doing something mundane and, and I don't, you know, my 
my day is just a routine and it's slow and it's hot. And it, you know, I wanted to start on that because I feel like the show started on like, they basically started the story twice with the uh, order 66 scene and then going into the inquisitors arriving on Tatooine. Yeah. And I get why they did that. Uh, it, it definitely is. It starts way more exciting and fan service also like yeah. wanted to, kick off with a bang for people who are like who you've never seen order 66 happen in live action and that's True. a pretty momentous thing to do i do get it but also you didn't remove it from your story it's right. still there so i think that was a total miscalculation it was the best thing that i think you did was change the opening because it makes the whole story much more coherent and and not singular but you know focus on the main character it's important mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I also, uh, somebody asked me why I kept in the, the, well, I'm assuming we're kind of getting into spoiler territory. We're here close. Now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, this is still kind of in the beginning, so it's not okay. a crazy story. Okay, go uh, for spoiler, it. But uh, that I kept in the Jawa scene with uh, Obi-Wan. Yeah. And I thought that one, I think that's just a funny scene. I did like, too. I just, it's cute and it's funny. And I, I, I think that it's a, a great scene with a, a Jawa and who doesn't want to see a Jawa exactly. on screen really. But also Tika does tell Obi-Wan like what's going on. And, and I think it's important to show that Obi-Wan is not in the know on Tatooine. You know, he, he has people come to him, but with the bare necessities that he has. And Tika is one of those characters that comes in and, you know, services his house every so often or whatever, and brings him parts that he needs and he lets him know, he's like, oh, I got this from a Jedi ship. And he's like, oh, a Jedi. And I, I think that it's a it's an important scene, especially starting the way that I did, like not having the Inquisitors and not having Order 66. We needed to see how Obi-Wan receives information in the state that he lives in and that he's completely renouncing the Jedi too. You know, when Tika says that, he's like, oh, no, the Jedi are, you know, they're all but extinct. So we're all good there, you know? And, and then that, I think sets up for you're you're like oh man something's going on this is scary right and then you're waiting for the scary thing to happen instead of the scary thing happening right away and then it does create that feeling of like uh oh like is Obi Wan in trouble but we also know like Obi Wan's not really in trouble you <laughs> right, know? Like, right of course it's a tricky thing yeah. yeah I mean this whole story in their defense was really hard to like oh yeah fit a whole story in between two parts where you already know where it ends Mm -hmm. that is such a rare thing like prequels exist of course but to slip it in between a prequel and a sequel almost or however you Mm -hmm. want to define this at this point because chronologically we're just totally out of whack now it's it's a near impossible thing to do storytelling wise when the ending of a thing is defined Mm-hmm. And to have that not be your payoff. So I do want to give them like some slack in like, this was really hard, but I do want to give you some credit in like, these things should have been done. So <laughs> both can be true at the same time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I do want to get to spoilers, but before we do that, for the people that haven't watched Obi-Wan yet, I want to talk about you for a second, aside from this edit. You've done some animation stuff too, I saw on your TikTok. Yeah. Uh, what is the avenue you're trying to go down and does editing animation compare to live action do you care do you want to just be able to tell stories in whatever fashion you can what's your goal i know that's a really broad thing but i'm curious (laughs) um yeah i think in general i'm a storyteller and whatever medium that happens to be i'm happy to create in 
my goal is I want to be like a film director. I want to direct like Hollywood movies and, and write them too, you know, but I'm, I'm also just fine with directing, but yeah, I, I just love, I love writing. I love directing, editing, visual effects too. Cause I think that that's such a powerful tool. Um, So with that, you know, came my ability to do animation too. And then because there's some of those skill sets that are like, you know, like visual effects and animation are those skill sets that I feel like are needed a lot these days, but like not a ton of people can do it or have access to it. Um, And so that mostly has become a means of like, my career, you know, and, and, and making money out here in LA, um, working, uh, because that is a skill set that I have, I offer it up and that's how I make a lot of my money, um, is doing that freelance while on the side, you know, doing these edits and also, you know, writing my own stuff. So just mostly a, a storyteller in general, but really wanting to be a director and, if that doesn't work out, then a writer. And if that doesn't work out, then I'm just going to continue doing what I've been doing my whole life, you know, which is more just work creating kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to have a lot of tools in your bag. And I think that these days it's almost necessary to just mm-hmm. be able to have your hands on a lot of different cookie jars. And mm-hmm. the best case scenario of that is you get to do it all kind of, yeah, and you get to do it from start to finish and have the vision and avoid all the bullshit that we've been talking about on the rest of the podcast. Yeah, I mean, that's what I've been doing. Like my, a lot of my short films, I wrote, directed, edited, and did the visual effects for, and it does help that I can do all that because one, it just costs less money because I don't, I don't have to pay me. So I just have to give up my own time. Um, and so that's another reason why I got into the things that I got into was one, just out of like necessity, like I needed visual effects to tell this story. So I was like, I'm going to do it myself because I don't have the money to pay. I better learn how to do it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And I, you know, I also am just so interested in it. You know, like I talked about Jurassic Park, but that is one of the movies that made me want to be a filmmaker and learning about like all the stuff that ILM does um, and I, I started watching behind the scenes of movies like when I was super young. And so I've just been obsessed with the process of making movies because I think it's like one of the most collaborative art forms out there. You know, I, I can't think of really any other art form that has visual pictures, sound, music, acting, like every part of any creative process I feel like is in the filmmaking business. And that's my favorite part. That's the most exciting thing for me. For sure. I'm with you. How did you feel about the new Jurassic Park? I'm assuming you saw it. <laughs> yeah. We don't have um, to spend a lot of time on this. I'm just curious. No, I'll, I, it, it was fine. It was fine. I, I I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed Fallen Kingdom. Me too. Okay. Um, that's I, all I, I had, wanted to hear. Yeah. You say. I had a lot of fun with it. That's for sure. And, and it was too. great to see the old cast back. Um, it, it was just fine. And Not as good I, as World, better than Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm with you. Um, worth seeing though. Oh, yeah. I, that's what I keep telling people too. They've been, cause they know I'm a huge Jurassic Park geek as well. So they're like, Oh, what do you think? And I was like, I like it. And I recommend it. I sure. don't think it was the best movie, of course. Uh, but I, but I, you should definitely go see it. Nothing will ever be the first Jurassic Park, but you know, if True. the measuring stick is the first Jurassic world, then this got much, much, much closer than fallen kingdom. Yes. Uh, I was yes. not a fan of that movie. Uh, Me neither. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're in alignment. You have a couple more minutes. Let's take a break yeah. and then let's talk some spoiler stuff. Definitely. 
So a lot of you know I have a sports YouTube channel, Mike the Mush. We're also at Mike Mush Sports on Twitter and Instagram, posting videos at least once a week, reaction to all the big sports news, a lot of gambling stuff on there. As we record this right now, we're watching a UFC event. The fight that's going on right now, we have five different bets on it. Breakdown on the channel, you get stuff like that all the time. And then when we win, I celebrate, and when we lose, you know, you post some sad faces, you move along. But the channel is up a lot of money, I'm telling you. Give it a follow, you check it out. Ton of stuff happening in NBA free agency. We're reacting to all of it constantly. It's never-ending. And it's football season soon, a lot to talk about there. Give it a subscribe, help you boy, and enjoy the rest of the episode. <laughs> okay, so I don't want to rehash a whole episode I already did on the podcast, but... Yeah. I was psyched to see that we had similar ideas for how to kind of quote unquote fix this. And either we're both really intelligent, which is obviously true, or Disney <laughs> dropped the ball a little bit on this one, probably both. But a few yeah. specifics that I wanted to get to and run by you and how you felt about them. Um, sure. I really liked starting, we we alluded to this before, starting with the meat cutting assembly line or whatever you want to call that, and making that whole sequence just quicker and getting to the theme of the hero more clearly, the hiding, the alternate identity him being on Tatooine, keeping his eye on Luke, the whole flashback stuff. So even though it felt like a slower start through no fault of your own, did it feel like that was necessary? And how did it feel to cut Order 66 from the top? Because when I first watched it, I said to myself, well, this is a perfect opener. This was the penultimate thing in Clone Wars and the whole Star Wars saga, honestly, mm -hmm. that I was like, oh my God, we're getting to see it. This is the best. I can't wait for the show. And as time went on, I realized that was actually just introducing Reva's character and not the actual heroes of the story, which is a flawed way to tell a story. So mm -hmm. I'm glad you fixed it. But did you feel that being difficult to do? Oh, yeah. I mean, when I was going through everything, I was cutting stuff that I just didn't find necessary, but like there was a couple different cuts that I would make. There would be the cuts where I would cut it and then delete it. And then there would be the cuts that I make where I would cut that out, put it at the end of the timeline and go, I might want this somewhere else. Uh, and order 66 was one of those cuts where I, I cut it out from the beginning, but I went, I might want this somewhere else. Yeah, I don't know course. where yet. I don't know if it'll fit into the story, but I knew that it was important. So I didn't just delete it right away. You had it a folder somewhere of like, yeah. I don't know what to do with this yet. <laughs> exactly. There were a couple, like I, I had a few of those and uh, definitely one of them too. And I'm, I'm going to keep talking about Order 66, but yeah, yeah. one of those also was um, the scene with Reva and Owen uh, where she yes. threatens him on Tatooine. But anyway, so uh, with Order 66, yeah, that was it was incredibly hard, but I also thought that, and, and some of the people that have messaged me about my edit have, have caught on to this too. I felt that it was a little too on the nose uh, with Reva. I think it was too much like, oh, we know that that's that character. Um, or at least it's like a very high probability yes. that that's the, of course. the same little kid is going to be the same character. That's why I'm saying like, that's the kind of thing you would do in a Reva show. Right. Because you're yeah. introducing the hero of the show, but it's not her show. Right. So they kind of got caught between or it felt like to me, is it an Obi-Wan show or a Reva show? And it felt like they just smashed them both together just to make it six episodes. Whereas mm -hmm. you chose to do it differently. It's a different medium. I get it, whatever. But again, I also want to like 
like there are definitely a lot of action movies or other movies in general that do start with uh, sure. introducing the villain. And I think that it totally can work. Agreed. Uh, but I don't even think she's the villain in this, if I'm being honest. Right, right. Yeah, so, Vader is the villain. She's like right. a so like, side villain. If Infinity War starts with Thanos, that makes sense. Right. But this is taking like a B villain and making it the opener of the series. And it works because it's a cool scene, but that mm -hmm. shouldn't be what drives your decision-making. So I kind of wanted to just give you some credit for that because it felt like if I were doing it, I would be like, fuck, can I really pull order 66 out of the top? And then one thing you did, and this is why I think it was the best change you made. I made this point earlier, but I want to make it more specifically now. Putting the reveal of her being the person at Order 66 at the point where she's talking to Obi-Wan. When I watched your version, I go, of course it should have been there. Mm -hmm. And that's, it felt so much more natural. And so that's why I thought it was your best choice. Not just the opening, but moving right. it to make her arc be complete in that one moment. And mm -hmm. to have the payoff exist later. And if we really are following Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan shouldn't have that information until he's told it too. Right. If we're following this character, you know, the show Agreed. is called Obi-Wan, you know, we, we should be in his mental state as much as possible. And I know that obviously that gets broken whenever we cut to like, you know, the things that are going on around Leia, sure. you know, obviously Obi-Wan didn't know about that until he met Leia, but I do just feel like that was one of those where like the payoff was going to be way better if we waited. Um, and I also like, uh, you know, no fault to the people that were involved in, in uh, shooting the sequence, but I didn't feel like the, the opening order 66 scene was strong enough as is to even include later, like in, in while she's explaining to Obi-Wan. Yeah. You cut uh, that pretty hard too. Yeah. Cause I just, I think what was cool and, and it's a cool concept in your head is making that scene an opener because it's also a oneer. So you have one shot going through the whole building and yeah. she's, you know, blah, blah, blah. The problem with that is that, especially if you're, you know, you have, a lot of moving parts and you have especially child actors too like it's hard to block all that out and have it feel natural yeah a lot of it felt like everyone was just kind of hitting their marks especially the group of kids because it was like okay jedi goes here and then she tells kids go over there fight and then kids yeah. move to this section and then it's just like it didn't feel like it took me out of it as soon as i started watching it like as cool as order 66 is as a concept i felt like the execution wasn't there the way i wanted it to be and so that is another reason why i like really didn't have that order 66 scene in it at all yeah it's not like it was a john wick one shot where he's like it's like perfectly made yeah you know it was like you're right it was pure fan service which is fine which like I'm, mm -hmm. i don't say that as a bad thing too many people use that as like a bad term now yeah that's what it was designed to be because fans of Star Wars have never seen this occur in front of their eyes. So I do get it. But yeah, that's the first thing I wanted to say, spoiler filled, because it was mm -hmm. like, that was the coolest part of watching yours to me. Also, I think just getting through act one of any movie is the most important thing. It's almost the only thing because mm -hmm. everything else just cascades from there. And, you know, I know it's movie versus TV, whatever, but, uh, you know, I'm just using the acts mm -hmm. as, as sure, the same yeah. thing. I think that was by far, and this might not be true, I want to ask you, it seemed like you cut the most out of the beginning. 
because I do find that to be the most necessary. Did it become easier as you went once you already made the decisions of like, well, this is cut, so we're not going to follow up on this shit later, obviously. And to me, watching Act 2 and Act 3, I know you did a ton of work on that. I'm sure you did. I wasn't necessarily pen to paper comparing the two different things at the same time. But it felt, Act 2 and Act 3 felt pretty natural to me, and I didn't even almost notice some points, but I didn't notice a lot of the cuts that you made later because you set them up earlier to the point where it was one coherent thing. Did you feel that? Was that intentional going into it? Walk me through that. The first episode of the show, I definitely cut out the most and I rearranged the most. Yeah. Um, I like completely rearranged some of those scenes just to make them more powerful. I, I really wanted Obi-Wan to be approached by Nari at night, you know, before we see the Inquisitors try to attack Nari because I I just thought that it made more sense. And it's even more devastating for Obi-Wan to give this, you know, poor Jedi this advice because he really is trying to lay low and he really doesn't want any attention called to Luke here on Tatooine. It's so important that no one finds out. And to hear that Inquisitors are around or that somebody's being hunted after Tika told him that a Jedi was being hunted by Inquisitors, he's like, get this guy away from me. <laughs> right. You know, like whoever finds this Jedi is going to find me probably if, if he's anywhere close to me. So he's like, go back to the town, get out your lightsaber in the sand. Yeah. And then to see the way I rearranged it where then, you know, we go back and, and it's the morning now and Nari did go back to town and guess what? The inquisitors showed up at that saloon and now he gets killed. It and keeps the focus one- on Obi-Wan because yeah. he has to deal with the fact that he told him to do that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and so I cut up that sequence differently. And I also told you, you know, I, I cut Riva and Owen and right. a lot of the stuff there was also purely because I had changed other things too. And I realized like it wouldn't make sense. So like right. I did a cut, I spent probably an hour on cutting that Owen and Riva scene um, to, to make it work better and to not have it drawn out so long too. I think and then you got rid of it altogether. Yeah, I, I did. <laughs> I spent a long time on it. I, um, and then I was like, you know, the other inquisitor tells her to stop and um, kind of stops her from killing Owen. And then is like, you know, then he puts a hologram of Nari's face like up and he says, if you hear anything, let us know. Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, in my version, he's already dead. So that it wouldn't make sense because right. whatever. But I also was like, I don't think that we need the Inquisitors to get this close to Obi-Wan at this point or to Owen, because in my opinion, and this is my own opinion on Star Wars, like the way that everything was introduced in A New Hope, it just felt like that was so far removed from things happening in the galaxy. And to have our characters get so close to like being found out and to stay there with Luke didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. So I was like, in a logical sense, if I was Owen and Brew and the Inquisitors came and even threatened me within, you know, 10 miles, I would be like, yeah, we're going to a whole different planet. Exactly. You know, like if we're right. going to keep Luke safe. We have to get the heck out of here, but they didn't. And I, and because that didn't make sense to me. I was like, I need to cut out really anything that would make them feel super unsafe being on Tatooine, that makes which sense. is why I cut that out 
and then also cut out the Reva part at the end, just because I was like, where they're it, defending their yeah, it, it just yeah. wouldn't as uh, you know. I don't even think it was cool. I'm not going to say as cool as it was because it, it it wasn't really none of it made sense. No. I talked about it in my podcast episode. Like, why mm-hmm. was she going there to attack Luke? There is no motivation. We already had the reveal of her not actually being a Sith. Mm-hmm. So did she go back? Did it almost felt like in their edit they had it out of order? Yeah, like something happened where like that scene should have been before the reveal of Obi Wan. Mm-hmm. Not that that makes sense either. So I'm totally with you. Yeah, yeah, because then it just feels like it's it's like a it's a messy arc because it's like we have this like she's really bad, really bad. We're going up towards you know her doing something right. terrible, and then she's like let me help Obi-Wan. I'm, I'm good gonna, now. I'm going to attack Vader. Then she attacks Vader. That doesn't work out for her. And then now she goes, well, now I'm going to do another terrible thing. I'm going to do a terrible thing. Oh, I'm actually not going to kill Luke. It's just like this. It was, it, it's not, a, it wasn't an arc. It was like a little bit of like a hilly valley. And, and, and I think that's what made it difficult to just on her character. And I think that her character is a lot stronger when she is more feared by the characters around her. And when her arc ends with her, failing and as borderline as, dying. A, as a bad guy you know like yeah right not, not every bad guy in star wars needs a redemption arc you know yeah and also and it bothers me enough. That, yeah yeah a hundred percent like the arc was closed and then it felt like they reopened it mm-hmm. for a couple scenes in the finale and it's like is this just because and this there's some difficulty here too which again i'm trying to find the benefit of the doubt right She's a big mm-hmm. actor. She's probably third, fourth build on the mm-hmm. call sheet or whatever it is. They probably needed her to be in the finale in some kind of capacity. I don't know if it's for contract reasons, or but some decision there was like, well, we should probably have one of the biggest stars in the finale. I felt the same way about Benny Safdie in some of the mm. things that you probably cut, which is like, mm-hmm. maybe we don't want him to only have two scenes. We brought in this guy to play this cool role that people know. And maybe that can cloud your judgment, especially when you're a huge IP. There's a lot of higher ups that are saying, we got Benny Safty to do this, put in a fucking third and fourth scene. And yeah. it was like, I guess. And it kind of bastardizes the story where you don't have to deal with that. So it's credit to you. And also it's like, well, that's how it should be. You shouldn't have mm-hmm. to deal with that. The editor shouldn't have to listen to the owner of Disney who says like, yeah. you should have to do this. So it, it is really complicated, but I appreciate the view from someone who is separated from it because you're able to make these emotionally cold decisions, which sure. is yeah. super necessary to make a good thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So it is tough, but I really liked how she basically dies at the end of your version or, you know, yeah. if she doesn't. Yeah, I did leave it open ended. Sure. Because you know, I was like, you know, they didn't kill her at the end of the actual show. So right. that probably means she'll show up in other content yeah, in the future. So yeah. I was like, I'll at least make it ambiguous so that if she shows up later, people can still watch my edit as canon if they want to. Yeah, that makes sense. And again, like we keep saying over and over, it keeps the focus on Obi-Wan where it should be. This whole finale, Mm -hmm. which I did enjoy the original finale, no doubt about it, but it did take focus away from Obi-Wan for large stretches where you were just doing the Reva hunting down Luke. And it was like, whose story is this? It's the same thing in the opener and the finale that they just combined this Obi-Wan show with a Reva show. And it just didn't all the way. Yeah. And I feel like maybe we all would have felt differently about Reva going to hunt Luke 
if they had executed it differently and maybe placed it in a different spot too, because I feel like the just the frustration as a viewer for like what we really want to see, which is Obi-Wan and Vader fighting. And then to continually cut to something that like we, you know, don't even need for the story. We don't even need for canon at all or anything like that. It was just like so frustrating. I'd always be like, let's get back to them. And, And I think that's what motivated me to like, cut it out but you know if i think if if it had been placed in a different spot and maybe didn't get so close to luke like i think that was also just really bad territory to be in for canon like luke is not supposed to know really anything about any of this why wouldn't he have remembered this situation like it's such a traumatic experience someone came up to you with a lightsaber to your neck and you never said anything to obi-wan the whole time yeah (laughs) yeah i know i know which makes me think again like someone told them that they had to put this in you know Mm -hmm. like i just have a hard time believing that a storyteller would would flub that kind of thing when they made so many efforts to connect it to episode four right and that one missed the mark but yeah, I, I thought that was good. And, and you just mentioned it, removing those scenes from the ultimate fight scene. First of all, putting Duel of Fates in that fight scene just hits so hard. It's just like, the original one I thought was great. I liked that yeah. fight, no problem. Mm-hmm. And some of the times, not that yours did this, but I don't like ham-fistedness. It's mm-hmm. one of the things I really don't like when you don't give credit to your viewer. So there's a world where I thought Duel of the Fates might have done that and been a little too much. But then when I watched yours, I was like, nah, the shit's too dope. Like, I don't care. It's so good. So that scene was already good, but it, it, the soundtrack made it better. You made a lot of musical changes, it seemed. Yeah, I, I mostly was for like, making transitions easier or to make things more impactful like and and i'll talk about the um the end fight scene but um another thing that i did change is when leia is falling uh well first of all that that whole chase scene i actually did change first the very first iteration that i did i had cut it all out so basically the bounty hunters are like oh she's the girl I also didn't, I didn't want Leia running away from Obi-Wan just thinking he was a bad guy. I felt that was so annoying to me. I was like, Leia, like this man has been saving you. He's like, like he hasn't like you or blah. Yeah. And like she went, I I don't think she would have thought that at all. And I also think that like Obi-Wan gives off a very peaceful vibe anyways. So like, you know, I've never been kidnapped, but like, I feel like if Obi-Wan showed up, I'd probably trust. Well, if anyone's been kidnapped, you know, at the link underscore podcast. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but, but yeah so my in my original iteration um she runs away because you know the bounty hunters are starting to shoot at obi-wan and fight him and she's trying to get away she's afraid she goes up on the roof and obi-wan follows her and then i in my first iteration i just had her on that very first jump she just doesn't make it right but after screening it to my girlfriend and having more conversations about it and like i just felt like it was I, like I was making a mistake by making that go by too quickly um, because it didn't feel like it felt like a, like a quick, like up and down. And and it didn't feel like there were a lot of stakes other than the fact that like, she's, you know, jumped off a building, you know, sure. and that's scary. But then I decided, okay, what I will do is look at what I can do with um, the people shooting at them, because I think that that adds some stakes but I didn't want two bounty hunters shooting in them at once. So I knew I had to cut out the second guy that shows up because when Obi-Wan goes over to look at Leia, there's another bounty hunter there still shooting at him. Yeah. 
And then we just forget about it. And I was like, yeah, we see, we see a shot of Haja like up on the buildings and we assume maybe he's taking care of it, but we never ever see a shot of him like start to take a shot so that we know Obi-Wan's covered. And I think that it's because they wanted to really save that reveal of Haja being a good guy, like later. They probably had it and they, yeah, but, but it just like, to me, I don't know. i I kind of already figured he's good enough if he helped Obi-Wan, you know, like, you know, yeah, he's not the best. And yeah, we think he's going to go after Obi-Wan, but it just didn't make sense to me that like all that shooting would stop just because Obi-Wan was trying to save Leia. It wouldn't make any sense. And I did actually go back when I was removing because there's a shot that I needed to use and it's when Leia decides to jump and Obi-Wan turns and he says, Leia, no, in that shot, there's actually like, shots being fired around him and i knew i had to remove that so i did i removed those so that it looks like he's done firing at people because he kills the last guy but when i was looking at that really closely i realized that the the blaster fire was coming from where haja was standing so it was him shooting at that guy but it happened so quick that you don't process it and you don't even think anybody else is trying to save obi-wan you process that as more people shooting at obi-wan which means the scene was probably longer and there was other things there that they already cut so you were just like let's just cut the rest of this because none of it makes sense now yeah exactly and so that's why i decided to do that and then i i changed the music on that whole sequence too i think it's a piece from episode two but um like it just i think made the stakes higher it also hid the fact that i cut a lot of stuff out of that part you know because we do cut back to reva like looking at the blaster fire and then you know her like sequence of her like doing parkour over the buildings and stuff which you know i i didn't really care the first time i watched it like it didn't bother me i saw a lot of backlash online about like her doing parkour and it being goofy and the more I watched it, the more I was also like, I get that they're trying to raise the stakes here, but it also felt like we we're cutting away from something that we really wanted to see, which I felt like happened a lot with Reva, which again is why I think the script failed her, not not Moses Ingram yeah. doing that. Like, obviously she has no control over those things. I think she did a great job. Um, but the constantly like cutting back to her when there are other things that like we want to see more, it just does her character a disservice. Because people want to throw it to the side, not because of who it is, because of what the other thing is. Yeah. 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 And so I changed the music on that section so that we would also get like a good triumphant, like, you know, Star Wars theme when something like, like Obi-Wan using the force for the first time in the, in the series. In a decade. Yeah, I and wanted the to series, have something yeah. really powerful. Right. So right. that's why I changed that spot, you know? That was smart. Yeah, the musical changes were something I really noticed. And a couple of the times where you obviously changed like actual elements of the thing instead of just cutting scenes here and there. It just showed the attention to detail that I really appreciated. Did transitions between scenes feel harder in spots where you made cuts? You alluded to it a little bit with the music trying to mask over that because it seems like the hardest thing to just you can't just hard cut from one scene to another there there are transitions written into the, mm-hmm. the style of the show and most of the time yours felt very natural uh and that i imagine must have been the hardest part because even when i'm editing this podcast which is a tiny little fraction of what you did when you cut out a whole sentence it's like well how did we get from the one to the other you yep. have to hide it somehow 
And maybe you have to cut more or less depending on how it makes sense. So I think you did a good job with that and just trying to turn the pace all the way up to 11, which you seem to do. I assume mm-hmm. that was the goal. Yeah. Uh, but the yeah. writing remaining the same. A good example of it was like, this isn't exactly pace wise. It's actually slowing down the pace a little bit, but it was important. Cutting up the scene in when he's doing the meat cutting assembly line thing into mm-hmm. different parts. When you went mm-hmm. back to that, like uh, the monotony of his new life and his kind of commute back and forth mm-hmm. and the insight that he's constantly thinking about the situation at large in between these other scenes that was really clever to me of like fixing the transition problem how often did you run into that and was it like the biggest oh it was the whole thing like like, because not only did i have to watch each scene for content and like see what like first of all what that scene was needed for what piece of information were they delivering to the audience that um, needed to be there because it was set up for something later. And then when I would make a decision to cut something out, then I'd have to go now, every time they mention something like that, I have to cut that out as well and make it all seem natural. So it was, it was a constant struggle. And especially because, you know, like you said, I, I obviously, I had the privilege of my own freedom, but I still had the box of what we were given yeah. for the most part, you know, and, and I did take some liberties by like creating new VFX shots and stuff like that to maybe add some stuff. But for the most part, I was very limited with what I could add. Of so course. I had to just use what, you know, what we got and the transitions were always the hardest part because a big studio would just be able to, okay, well, let's write a piece of music that fits that and has the transition and, you know, we'll mix all the audio together. But when that's all already done, I have to find some way to make yeah, it all you work. You can't go back. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. It definitely, that was also another reason why I changed some of the music it was just purely out of necessity, you know, like, true. Um, like the, the ending scene with the fight with Obi-Wan and Vader, I cut out Reva. Right. So they, then the music kept, wouldn't match. Yeah. The, yeah. the music would keep cutting and being different and stuff. And I needed one cohesive True. piece of music. That's too. a really good so point. Like, yeah. As much as it was because I felt like it was more powerful, it was also just a necessity too. But to speak on that specifically, I did have a reason why. And, and a lot of people in my original TikTok, I just said, that I had put Duel of the Fates in because I knew that that was something that people were excited about. Which is true. Um, Yeah. And I left out the part that I used Battle of the Heroes in the second half of the battle because I wanted, you know, something to be left for people to be excited about. But I got tons of comments where people were like, wow, real missed opportunity here. You shouldn't have used Duel of the Fates. You should have used Battle of the Heroes. And I was like, guys, you just got to watch it. Just watch the thing. Yeah, I know. But my reasoning behind that was... And there's been tons of people too that have been reaching out and being like, it doesn't work thematically at all. And I was like, I, I strongly disagree. I think it works thematically very well because it's the first duel that, that Obi-Wan ever has with a Sith. And it's with Qui-Gon, who is his support system for sure through this series too. Well, he wants it to be his support system right. through the series. And then Battle of the Heroes is the last time he fought a Sith which was his friend. Sure. And to have both of those come back um, one after another, I felt was very poetic. And I wanted to make that choice of like, I'm like, I I didn't want to just use Duel of the Fates and then cut it up and then have Duel of the Fates enter in again later. I knew that there was a tonal shift after Obi-Wan gets out from underneath the rubble. Yes. And I wanted that to be like, we use Battle of the Heroes because 
now it's not about fighting a Sith like he was in the first one. Now it's about fighting his friend, which Anakin. is Battle of the yeah. Heroes. So yeah. I wanted that shift. Well so I did said. think about the theme of it. Yeah, yeah. You, I like the amount of thought that went into this. And uh, I don't want to make it seem like not a lot of thought was gone into the original. I'm sure that's not the case. Yeah. But yeah, I appreciate that explanation a lot because it does feel like it's a, it's a nice little microcosm of like, well, people will judge anything before they even watch it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just silly. But also there was a necessary tonal shift, which I guess is probably why they intercut the Riva scenes in between those times to, mm-hmm. to make it like super obvious to people that there was a tonal shift. But that's what I mean. It's like, it doesn't need to be that ham fisted. People will understand that there's a shift mm-hmm. after he cuts his mask open or whatever, whenever that yep. happens, you know? So I think that was really cool. You mentioned the Qui-Gon piece. Um, I know all these scenes were there already, but in your version, it made it seem, maybe it's just because it's a larger percentage of the overall body of work or whatever it is, but it made it seem like you had more emphasis on him trying to reach Qui-Gon often and, mm-hmm. and him really not being able to wrestle with this whole entire thing, which to me, two things. One, you put an additional voice of Qui-Gon during yep. the battle, right? So that yeah. was cool because it helped be a beginning to the payoff. Whereas in the original version, the only payoff was the ghost at the end, which is like, fine, it's cool, but you kind of had a twofold version and it helps add to the main character's internal struggle with the whole entire thing. So I just appreciated that you kept the pedal down on like how much he was really struggling with this, which to me made it so much more impactful when he's crying after cutting the mask open and dealing with Anakin. Mm-hmm. And it was like, this all comes together a little bit better in your version, I think. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I literally went through all of Phantom Menace to find any sound bites of Qui-Gon. Like I literally have like a timeline of every single line <laughs> that Qui-Gon says. Wow. Because I was like, obviously I'm going to need to string something together. And the voice that I added when he's under the rubble, he says, uh, Obi-Wan, keep your concentration here and now where it belongs, and then may the force be with you. And I believe that some of that was cut from like uh, Qui-Gon telling Anakin right before the pod race, like, keep your thoughts here and now. And then like later on saying, may the force be with you to somebody else. And then like, I cut Obi-Wan from something else. So we could string that all together to make it feel like it was cohesive in that moment. But also I needed the right things for him to say too. So like, not only was I looking for that, but also how he said it too. Cause sometimes he would say something that sounded really good, but his tone was like, mad at obi-wan and i was like i'm not gonna have him mad at obi-wan while he's under this rubble you know so i had to find the best parts of what he says in phantom menace and string it together so it all feels good too i wanted to give obi-wan something really powerful to get out of the rubble like and and there's a lot of people that are like i loved how it went from you know the things that he was scared of which is anakin and all the fear around vader and everything like that but then we see him visualizing Leia and Luke and the things that really matter to him now. Um, and I didn't want to change that. I thought I thought it was great that he was thinking in those terms, like past versus for sure now. But I wanted like I think that the true strength that Obi-Wan got just from hearing his old master, I think that's what I really wanted to emphasize. And to have his master say, like, concentrate now and feel, don't think. And then may the force be with you. I thought that was just much more powerful for him to then lift the rubble, get ready to go and like do what he needs to do. 
And then later when I added that Qui-Gon saying, you know, he is the chosen one, he will bring balance so that Obi-Wan has a reason to leave uh, right. Vader alive once again. That was the most important more thing. people. I was like, you know, some people commented on my TikTok and they were like, hey, that doesn't make sense because Obi-Wan doesn't believe Vader to be the chosen one when like he's starting to train Luke in episode four and all that. And, and to me, Qui-Gon was always the one that believed so much in Anakin and Obi-Wan obviously was the one that experienced Anakin and the true like evil nature of him and stuff. So I think he was always going to be super skeptical of uh, Anakin being the chosen one. Um, so I don't think he really ever truly believed that he was the chosen one, but I not think to mention he, he's like, he's too close to the situation. He's too yeah, close exactly. of a friend with him so that in your version, at least it makes sense to be like, even from now through the Alec Guinness version, he just can't see it. Whereas yeah. Qui-Gon can, and at yeah. least you had a reason. Whereas in the original one, he just kind of walks away and you're like, what? I know it's it just like, he made that mistake already. And I yeah. felt like he wouldn't make that mistake again. And I, and I thought that not without a reason, the, right. And in the heat of the moment, hearing the master, he's been asking to hear for the whole series to hear him say, you know, or even remembering him say that he's the chosen one gives him enough of a reason to be like, maybe there's a bigger picture that I'm not seeing here. Yeah. I, I might not agree that he's the chosen one, but that's good enough reason for me to not murder a friend of mine. Right. You know? Right. Or somebody that once could was. Be a friend. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think uh, just a filmmaking technique, aside from the storyline itself and the characters and whatever, um, you utilize something that they didn't do, which is the fact that video and audio are just two different things and can exist at the same time. And so you didn't lose any of the seeing Leia and Luke and that whole inspirational tone while also getting the Qui-Gon voice. Mm -hmm. And it took no more time. And everyone can ingest that at the same time, whereas sometimes they don't give enough credit to the viewer. And it's like, we need to focus on Leia. And it's like, no, we get it. We'll watch this and we'll listen to that. Um, mm -hmm. So I thought that was cool. Two more things. One, I'm sure. glad Flea still made the cut because he's <laughs> just my, one of my favorite musicians and people in the world. And I thought that was really cool. Though I did cut cool. some of his goofier lines. I know, I, I know. I wanted him to be scary. So that makes yeah. sense, which is another thing going back to the actors. It's like when you get Flea on there, they probably right in after they hire Flea to mm -hmm. have him be a little goofy and silly. And yours is like, no, he's fine. Like serve the story. Yeah. And he's still there and he still serves the same role. And whether this chase happens the same way or not, doesn't really matter. So I think another spot where they're probably handcuffed and the writers are like, do we really have to write this line in here? And they're like, yeah, you have to have a comedic moment for Flea because he's Flea uh, where yeah. you don't have to do that. So it's just a, tough decision but um anyway the more important part is no mention or view of vader or anakin until basically the end of act one of this film that you created and even after the first mention of anakin no view of him until the suiting up scene which occurred later it felt like mm -hmm. to me in the grand scheme of things and so the start of act two was really where like all the fun and games of of the chase scene of vader trying to get to obi-wan really started and the meat of the story really gets going and the whole first part is really just obi-wan and leia mm -hmm. that felt so much more of a payoff even if it's not a payoff at the very end, you know, I know everyone knew Vader was going to be in this series because it was part of the marketing materials and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But you can crank the pace up big time once it hits that point to the point where from the start of act two to the end of the movie, it's all pace. 
mm-hmm. and it didn't feel that way in the show because you had to introduce Vader a little earlier and then you wait and you're like where is he though why is this happening? we already saw Vader give me the good stuff and mm-hmm. so another good choice um, yeah and if I had had my way I wouldn't have had Vader at all in a movie version of this until the very end right just like I feel like Rogue One did a great job of, totally. of teasing him but then giving you a great payoff like good point to have Vader show up in the middle I know it's because somebody you know at Disney was like oh by episode three we need to see Vader you know we need to see Vader halfway through this show. We, we yeah. just have to see him in action fighting Obi-Wan. And I get it. And I, and I like, if I could have cut that out, I really would have, because I feel like it just dampened their meat and their fight. Right. Imagine the, the first time you see him is when Duel of the Face hits. Right. And you're like, yeah. oh my God, it's happening. Yeah. yeah and I know you're, so. you're handcuffed the same way they probably felt handcuffed. Yeah. Um, so at least you can relate to them in that way. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure that's just, you know, movie making in general, like it doesn't always mm-hmm. work out perfectly, but I appreciate the thought of like, cause Rogue One is one of my favorite Star Wars entities in Me general. Too. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought it was so good. And for that reason really is because Vader's not really a character, except for the fact that his cloud hangs over exactly. the whole entire thing. Yeah. And then, even when he appears, it's not like a, a face shot. It's just the red lightsaber in the dark. And then everyone dies. And you're like, mm-hmm. it just feels so much more menacing. And yours felt more menacing in that similar comparison to the original version. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, and as much as I love Vader and seeing him in anything, I knew that if I wanted to do this right, I would have to cut some Vader stuff, you know, and, yeah. and I did end up like I, I cut their first meeting you know he shows up and they kind of do a stare down and he turns on his lightsaber but then he runs away but i was like we're only gonna like as a viewer you you can only get away with a character running away from a villain once yeah and they did it like three times especially a a villain like vader who is driven only by bloodlust you know yeah exactly yeah and so i at least just cut that first part out because it just took the pacing down too and it just like to me felt really funny like it just looked funny for him like to just like bolt away and he's like okay bye and then vader's (laughs) like oh now i gotta like walk to go right because vader doesn't move fast in general so he's like a stalker and it's like this is so long for someone who should be like driven to kill this other guy yeah Yeah, it's tricky and also there's a horror element to darth vader in general as a character and i find and i think this is pretty well known that the more you see especially in a horror movie the monster the less scary it becomes Mm -hmm. and so cutting some of it makes the times where he is on screen naturally more impactful no matter what those moments are uh so i agree completely i think that was really necessary and you got to treat him with a gentle touch and so moving into you know maybe the future and we'll see what happens with that but in my episode i kind of proposed that like if we do an obi-wan season two i want it to just be obi-wan going off and doing side quests you know i don't need Mm -hmm. vader in here the next time they should be together is the scene in episode four i Uh, agree we don't need more and sometimes less is more if for some reason they did end up facing each other again in future content there would need to be a very good reason why one or the other thought didn't die thought one of them was dead you yes. know like 
They would need to, like, I wouldn't believe another time someone let someone live. But even that is hard because you can't have them actually think each other are dead because in A New Hope, they do know each other are alive. That's true. Yeah. And so So I think they they got their hands tied. I know. They did it. You know, it's it's done now. Yeah, just don't do more. Yeah, I don't. You know, I want more Star Wars content, but this yes. was enough for me. Uh, and you can still do Obi-Wan stuff. I'm fine with yeah. that, but just don't have it be Vader. you can still do Vader, Vader just, if you want. Yeah, totally. Have him do different things, but you but have- But just not them together. And, but even that, you need reasons why they're not together. Why is Vader not going after Obi-Wan? And you start to open this wormhole and it's like, maybe we should just stay away from it. But uh, I think you and I both know that is unlikely. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I appreciate you taking all this time. I know we went really long, but this was really fun for me. I want people to watch it. So kaipattersonfilms.com is a yep. place they can go. Yep. Plug anything else, TikTok, YouTube, whatever else you want. Yeah, I mean, it's Kai Patterson Films across most of my social media, except for my Twitter is uh, Kai Patterson 13 just because films wouldn't fit. So <laughs> makes um, uh, yeah, but you can go to any of those, but also all of that stuff is on my website. So if you just go to kaipatterson.com or kaipattersonfilms.com, you'll see everything. You'll see the Kenobi page. You'll, you'll see all of that. Again, I want to stress, if you do end up watching Kenobi, please be subscribed to Disney plus, please watch the show. If not before, like then after, I think you'll have a, a better appreciation for both my movie and the show. If you watch both of them. So please do that. Good save. The mouse is always listening. Uh, (laughs) And uh, I'm really looking forward to other stuff you do in the future. And if you ever want to come back and talk about other things you're working on, I'd be happy to have you. Amazing. I would love that. Thank you to Kai Patterson for coming on. He plugged his website. I highly recommend you go to it. Even off the mic, we talked about the struggles of keeping this up, dealing with Disney, doing these kind of edits of IP that you don't own, and yet also not trying to profit off of it, just trying to show the work, give it to the people, have something really entertaining that everyone seems to want. If it can go viral, it should be allowed to be up on the internet if you ask me. So if I were you, I would get to it sooner rather than later. He also has a bunch of short films on the website. I urge you to check them out. He's got a growing IMDb page. I'm excited to see what he does next. Normally I give a recommendation here, but you really should just go watch his version. And if you're sitting there saying, ah, I already saw the original one, I think you'll have a better taste in your mouth from this, and you'll get some new stuff, I swear, it's worth it. But if you want a different wreck, I have been listening to the 2003 album Get Born by the band Jet. Had some hits off that one, I don't know what made me go back to it, but it's a good album. So that's a vibe. Kai and I did talk a bunch about TikTok. I know I've mentioned it on the pod a few times, I'm thinking about dabbling, but I really want to figure out exactly what I want to do before I jump in. I don't want it to just be the same old clips that are all over the other social medias, which are great, at the link underscore podcast, but I have been thinking about something with animation so i'm looking into that if you're an animator or you know one hit me up shoot me a dm some things are rattling around stay on the lookout one thing we need to do before we wrap this episode just like every week if you listen all the way through the end through the outro prove you're one of the true listeners that are dedicated to the link we give a secret code word so you can prove it post that code word at the link underscore podcast you could find a wet sidewalk grab a stick Put the secret code word in there. It'll live forever. Maybe carve it into a tree. You could get it tattooed on yourself. That would be cool. Even a henna tattoo, you know? Whatever it takes to get the word out there and show the dedication. This week, the secret code word is going to be JAR. That's J-A-R. You know what you could do? You could post it twice. Because Jar Jar Binks, one of the most underrated characters in Star Wars lore. I'm a Jar Jar Binks guy. 
Or you could just post a picture of a jar. People use mason jars for nice things, keep things organized. Perhaps your door is a jar, and if you had the air conditioning on, you should probably close it. But maybe you're made of money, and if you are, you know, hit me up to run some ads on the link, I guess. That's a wrap. 74 episodes in the book. 75 coming next week. We'll see you on Monday. Peace out.